Welcome to Dietitian Boss. I'm Libby Rothschild, your host and fellow dietitian. I'm a coach to my fellow female colleagues all around the world. I help you get leads and turn prospective clients into paying customers using online marketing and social media strategies that focus on sales. Today's episode is about working with who you want to work with. First thing I want to say is start with the end in mind when it comes to creating a service and an experience, something that you're selling to your client. So you want to think about the end as you're developing or refining this process. So whether you already have a service, this is going to help you, right? Even a product or whether you haven't yet and you're looking into creating one and you're not exactly sure about the parameters, maybe you feel scared. So this episode is going to give you some good tips and reflections. I want to talk to you about being forced to choose who you have to work with versus you opting into who you want to work with. And there's a huge difference. And just hang tight. I'm going to give you some examples that are from my social media feed from Instagram from this past just a couple weeks ago. So in February, I posted on Instagram. I created, I strategized a concept that my designer made. And it was about, it's a side-by-side to show that in clinical, you don't choose who you want to work with, where in private practice, you do. And that sparked a conversation. And I invited dietitians around the world to tell me their stories about working in clinical and what that meant related to how you're forced to work with somebody versus in private practice when you choose to create the business, the life, the experience that you want. Today's episode is going to break that down. I just want to mention if you do have a clinical story, something that you want to share, it can be anonymous. Please send me a direct message on Instagram at Libby Rothschild or shoot me an email at Libby at LibbyRothschild.com. I would be happy to showcase your story or if you know another dietitian who has a story that they want to share, it does help the community when we can share these experiences and build community. I know when I was in clinical, I felt very isolated. And if I would have known what I know now in this conversation, this fluid conversation we're having, I would have felt more supported in my journey and more inspired and I would have taken action sooner. And so that's the purpose of my business. I want to help you take action sooner. And you're not alone. A lot of us in clinical have struggled with feeling forced to work with who we want to work with. And you don't have to do that. Maybe temporarily to, you know, in your internship so you can become a dietitian but you don't have to stay there. It's a temporary spot and you can choose if you want to be in clinical or if you decide that you want to do private practice. Obviously, everything I do is focused for private practice so that you can design the service and the life and the experience and the impact that you want and enjoy every moment of it. Before I talk about the three topics today, I want to go over some of those clinical stories that you've shared with me on social. I'm turning many of them into posts for my social media feed. And I also want to make sure on air I'm reading them. Now, there's been over 50, so I'm not going to read all of them. I'm just going to read a few, uh, not in any particular order, more so the order that they were shared on social. And then I'll go back to the three topics of today. So I have a, a sheet here where I wrote everything down when people were sharing these stories with me. So here's what some dietitians, again, these are anonymous around the world, have sent me Uh, as far as them being forced to work with somebody who they don't want to work with. And again, to turn this into a positive perspective, you don't have to live in this area. If you too have felt 
like you've been forced to do things against your will or been in an environment that's unsafe, you have a choice. You can tell management, you can go talk to people, and you can also create the life and business that you want. And so I want to just remind you of that before I read these stories, because some of them are really um, emotional. Okay. So here we're going to start from the top. Uh, One dietitian said that um, this is what patients and clinical say to her. I don't know why I'm here. The doctor sent me. And let me know if you've ever been told that. I was told that so much in clinical. The the patients would come to me and say, I don't know why I'm here. And I I felt like an idiot. Like nothing made me feel more stupid than to have my patients come to me and not know why. I felt useless. And that's really crappy. Um, Continuing to go down the list, Another dietitian said, I was forced to counsel people who don't want to change, right? So if you think of that stages of change model, it's really difficult if people are not in the action or maintenance phase because in clinical, uh, you don't get to choose the folks who come to you. You're forced to help those who are who show up, who check in, right? Who are on your unit, who are on your list. You have to serve them. Another dietitian said that a patient said, in quotes, I'm going to effing kill you because I don't have my tray. Another dietitian said, um, renal diabetic frequent flyer fights with you over a burger in your face, yells at you. Another dietitian said, in clinical, a female patient flashed her downstairs asking if it looked like a rash. Another dietitian said, scare tactics for education really upset her. Another dietitian said, the patient, the very first day, a patient said, get the hell out of my room. Another dietitian said that a patient threw a cup of potato salad at her face. Another dietitian said, you know, forced to give education that I don't believe in. And I know that's a struggle for so many of us because a lot of clinical facilities don't keep in mind like how dynamic the dietetics practice has become. So I know that's a huge struggle. Another dietitian said TPN patient leaves the hospital to get snacks at the gas station. I can only imagine that would cause an uproar for the facility. Now, the dietitian said, old delirious man says very explicit things to you about you in front of his three female visitors. Another dietitian says, forced to see a patient known for packing a gun to appointments who was mandated to always be escorted by security, but they didn't enforce that when he has his appointment with me. Another dietitian said, your patient shows up 12 times a day to harass you, throw a can of open beverage at your head in the hall. Another dietitian says, one of the patients stabbed a nurse with a machete he'd hidden under his bed. A couple more I'll read. Dietitian said, in, in clinical, patient made sexual comments about her and chased her down the hallway. Another dietitian said, verbally abused and reported to authorities by family, she was, because she followed the patient's rights to decline his or her meals. Another dietitian says, a resident at the nursing home pours gin into his tube feeding. Another dietitian says she's been sexually harassed many times. I'll just read a couple more. Dietitian says, you find your colleague makes $30 an hour and you make $34 an hour. That's a tough one. And just a couple more. Uh, Went to an assessment and the patient was dead. Another one, another dietitian said, Uh, During the dietetic internship, my preceptor tried to date my now husband. Completely inappropriate, right? My first boss told me I would never become an RD 
And then I quit my job and did commercials. And now she has to watch me every day. Another dietitian said in clinical, her patients try to propose to her. Just two more. Uh, patient asked if I would be an adult diaper model for his new business. And then lastly, I will read. Let me find a, a good one here. They're all good. Um, oh, here we go. First clinical rotation, a nurse recruited me to help move a deceased patient. Wow. And that the list goes on. These are only just a few. I am completely blown away by these responses, but also slightly comforted because I actually have a story I'm going to share with you from my clinical journey that was, there are many that were very difficult for me, but this one I'm going to share today was um, unsafe, right? I'm going to share the story and then I'm going to move on and try to reframe this in the most positive ways possible. So I worked for an underserved community and there was a shooting in my hospital and it was in my building when I was a clinical dietitian and they, the building was on lockdown and the SWAT team had, we didn't know what was going on, right? And the SWAT team had to come in and escort us out of the hospital. Multiple people were dead in my hospital because of the shooting. And not only was this scary, obviously traumatic for you know everybody at the hospital, really sad, but truly unsafe. And I want to share with you, again, those of you who are in clinical, you want to make sure if there's anything where you feel unsafe, like tell somebody whether you're sexually harassed or assaulted, or there's something that, you know, the work environment is not safe for you, definitely make sure to tell somebody a superior. Also, um, you have a choice. You don't have to stay there. I didn't, right? I left. And you can leave too. And the reason I create this podcast is to provide you with community support and inspiration so that you can take action and hear stories from my, the dietitians that I interview, to hear my personal reflections. And I hope that inspires you to take action. And the reason I'm telling you these clinical stories today is because you choose who you want to work with. You do not have to stay in clinical. Even if you've been in clinical for 10 years, I have, if you listen to Sarika Shaw's episode, she worked in clinical, I believe 10 or 20 years and she decided to do virtual practice. It's not too late. You can still make the change. Or if you're brand new and you feel nervous and you have imposter syndrome, I understand. Listen to Elena and Caitlin's episode. They both started my group program as students and were able to sell. Caitlin sold an ebook, pre-sold it online before it became a dietitian. And Elena started getting clients right away because she built her audience on social media and, and got them excited about what she had to offer, solved a problem and sold them into a long-term package commitment. You can do it too. Not too late, not too early. You have the choice to work with who you want to work with. You do not have to be stuck. And if you've experienced or relate with some of what I've shared with you today, you're not alone. With that being said, there's three topics I want to address today. Number one, set criteria for who you want to work with. Number two, sell the services that you want to deliver. And number three, only take the clients that you want to work with. I'm going to break these down. For the first topic, set criteria with who you want to work with. I'm going to give a few examples of my clients, current and past, and then myself and show how this makes sense. So when I say set criteria, what that really means is you got to get clear with who you're talking to. So if we look at Carla, she helps vegan moms, one of my clients, 
And so what she's doing is she's sending a message out to her audience that that's who she wants to work with. And she's doing a great job. She's marketing really well and taking on clients from around the world. She's vegan.kids.nutrition. She's set the criteria for who she wants to work with and she's created a marketing plan to carry that out. You can do that too. If you start with my free workbook, that can be a great way for you to get more clear. Another example of a client in my group is Mallory. Mallory is weightloss.habits.nutritionist, and she's been very clear about putting out a message that she wants to help women lose 25 pounds. Then there's Bonnie Roney, private client of mine. She's diet.culture.rebel, and she helps women of faith find food freedom, and she puts that message out there consistently. Past client Talene Halakatorian of PCOS Weight Loss, she puts out the message that she wants to help women who have PCOS lose weight by going gluten-free and dairy-free. And then finally, last example here, we have Amy Gallinato, who was on my podcast just at the end of February, and you can find her at Amy Lee Gallinati on Instagram, and she helps women get their period back to become fertile. And then finally, me, right? I help female registered dietitians build slash grow their private practice using social media to market and sell. And so all these examples, including myself, if you look at us, my clients and myself, we have set the criteria by who we want to work with. We've done that in our marketing message. We've aligned our offer and our services. We've been consistent and you can do this too. And the first step is filling out that workbook and really getting clear because if you want to enjoy your work and take pride in who you want to work with, then you have to be clear with how you're marketing to them. It sounds so simple, but so many of you do not understand this. And that is the, the basis of what I teach is helping make sure that you're attracting the type of person that you want to work with because this isn't clinical. You don't have to help whoever shows up. You can help who you want to help, but that does mean you need to learn the basics of marketing. And I teach you step by step. And if you're not in a place right now for my services, start with my free workbook and get serious. Listen to these women, these clients that I've worked with in their episodes, because many of them have been on air or will be. Listen to their story. Watch them for inspiration and start taking action. Number two, sell the services you want to deliver. Now, I have a podcast episode. If you missed it, I do want you to go check it out again from February 17th called Packages, and I break down selling services in a way that makes sense for you, right? Mutually beneficial for you, the business owner, and for the client so that you can give them a good standard experience and really help provide impact and then also meet the bottom line of your company and create the income that you desire and the profit, right? When it comes to selling the services that you want to deliver, this is another topic that seems obvious, but many of us miss this mark. Do not do unlimited check-ins. First of all, I'm not a fan of that. Secondly, don't give something if you can't honor it or if you don't like the model. I'm more of a fan of pacing out the check-ins so that it's not unlimited because as a human being and a service provider, unlimited, it's not scalable and it just doesn't make sense. You can do every 72 hours, every 48 business hours, something of that nature, but make sure that the offer that you're selling aligns with what you want to do. Really think about that and go re-listen to that episode because I break it down from February 17th. Also, don't do long packages if you only want to work with people for a limited amount of time. So don't sell into a year or six months if you prefer to start with a three-month commitment. Think about this. You can always start with a lower-term commitment and build up. Make sure that the services that you sell 
align with what you want to deliver. And if you're not sure, start small and build up better than to start larger and go down. Lastly, only take the clients you want to work with. Now, this one is interesting. So let me break this down. What I mean is if you have a bad gut feeling, you want to listen to that. Clients that are difficult will take up your mental energy and it's not healthy for you. And, you know, let me break down that this doesn't mean that you can't take people who don't fit into who you're marketing to. If you're in a place where you're new in your practice and you have somebody that comes to you for a service that you offer and they're not exactly who you market to, but you have the space, meaning you're not completely full, you haven't hit your revenue goals, right? You haven't hit what you've expected to achieve when it comes to profit. If you haven't gotten there yet, then as long as somebody ethically aligns with you, you should take them. Unless if you have a bad feeling about them and they're going to be, they're going to suck you dry of your mental energy. But if you're in a place where you've already hit your goals, then you have the choice to be more particular about who you work with. Does this make sense? So what that means is if you're starting out or even if you're not starting out and you're only, you haven't hit your goals and you have so much more space to fill in your schedule for your service, right? Or you want to sell more units of your product, then you're going to be a little bit less picky. Um, you're still going to have, you know, some parameters, but you're not in a place to turn people away unless if it's in, you know, doesn't ethically align, right? For example, if someone comes to you for weight loss and you don't believe in weight loss, then obviously you're not going to do that. But if somebody comes to you and they're not exactly aligned, but kind of it sort of fits and they don't mentally exhaust you, then you're not in a position to turn them down until you've met your goals. And that is a question I get a lot. Because when your marketing works better and when you've achieved your goals, then you have the opportunity to be more particular, but not until you've actually achieved that. And you can achieve that when you market great and consistently, and that doesn't have to take a long time. You just have to be super clear. So that's, that's the goal. The goal is to, as you progress, get more and more particular about who you work with, but you can't afford to do that until your marketing efforts have paid off. For example, C number one, and that's setting the criteria for who you want to work with. That really is the most important of these top three. Because once you set that criteria and you do a good job and you're consistent and you've been vulnerable, you've created impact, you've solved a problem, you've done it consistently, you've been a resource, then with time, sometimes sooner than you might expect, you are able to be more particular about the clientele who you serve. But in no way, shape, or form, I just want to remind you, should you be forced to see patients who are clients or anybody who makes you unsafe or who threatens you or anything like that. Obviously, you're going to have to tell somebody about that, somebody of authority in a clinical setting or whoever, because you shouldn't be harassed and treated in that way. Final action step of today is who do you want to work with? If you only worked for yourself, how would you frame this out? What would this look and feel like? And now is the time to create a plan for how you want things to be like you know, with, when you start with the end in mind. And that, that brings us full circle to the beginning of the episode. I told you to start with the end in mind when it comes to service creation. Thank you for listening. The next step to continue pursuing your journey includes 
applying to my next group program. You can find that on my website under group coaching and apply. You can also grab my free workbook. Also listen on my website and go through the exercises so that you can get more clear with your marketing plan, which is going to help you get one step closer to creating the money and impact that you deserve.